WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 183, all about the Lord of the Rings appendices, Appendix A, being the 183rd part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, and this week we are continuing our dive into the Lord of the Rings appendices. Today I'm joined by the lore hounds, David and John. Welcome. Thanks so much for the invitation. It's uh, cool to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. This is John here, by the way, if you need yes. to recognize my voice. <laughs> David here, yes. That's a really... I've never... I've never thought to do that as the podcast host to say, like, can you each say your name so listeners know who you are? Um, So I'm glad I'm learning things, you know, three years into it. (laughs) (laughs) We're all learning. We're all learning. Um, Why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about your histories with Tolkien slash Lord of the Rings, whichever you came to first. Was it the movies? Was it the books? Um, How did you get into it? Yeah, um... I have been watching The Lord of the Rings. I, I did the movies first. Um, they, they came out when I was in elementary school. So I think I went to a uh, birthday party at the movie theater for The Return of the King. So I saw The Return oh, of the King Oh, that was cold. a good birthday party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand any of it because that was the first thing I saw was The Return of the King. Um, but I went back. I watched all of them. I, I, I read them a bunch, uh, a little bit in high school. But then I didn't really get into it so much until I went fan bankrupt in uh, the Game of Thrones universe after the last season. And uh, George R. R. Martin and and uh, the showrunners of the Game of Thrones show broke my heart so much that I was pushed into the arms of J.R.R. Tolkien. And that's where I really became a Tolkien-obsessed person. Um, and then the way I got into like talking about this stuff is just... I was hosting a read-along in the Discord of the network we're on, the Bald Boob Network, um, of The Lord of the Rings, and David had approached me, and he had said, hey, you seem to know about this stuff. Rings of Power is coming out this year. Maybe we should talk about this on air. So that's basically my history with Tolkien. I uh, I love the stuff. I can talk about it all day. I will if you don't interrupt me, so uh, I'll pass <laughs> it on to David now. Fair enough. I probably read a parody book called Board of the Rings. I'm so Ew. glad you brought that up because actually I'm I'm currently like in the beginnings of planning listeners we will be covering Board of the Rings oh, nice. coming I'll up soon to, so I'm so glad that. that's, that's what you have experience with yeah, I was in uh, middle school in the 80s and, um, you know, we were playing Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, all that stuff and, you know, always down at the hobby shop or down at the computer shops downtown. And um, I don't remember when I first read Lord of the Rings, maybe it was around in high school or sometime, but I definitely read Board of the Rings as the first thing that I uh, read in the in the Tolkien universe. And it's just, you know, Tolkien has just been in the background of my life, my entire life. Uh, you know, I'm uh, of that era when it was just all around and um, you can't escape fantasy without, you know, sipping some Tolkien soup. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I probably uh, read the books a couple, two, three times. I always skipped the songs. I uh, never really read the appendices. I uh, never read Silmarillion stories or, or any of that kind of stuff. 
Um, so when it comes to our podcast and what we do, I'm the knife. I'm the sort of audience proxy. I'm the one who's engaging John, who's got a real handle on all of the, the deeper lore. He's um, the guy who stops me from rambling. That's really his role. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, as, as John said, uh, I think it was back in February last year. I'm a moderator on the Bald Move Discord, and I had been thinking about podcasting for a long, long time. I don't know, maybe it's my Gemini nature. Like, I just got to communicate, man. Just got to, you know, get, get, uh, get those uh, airwaves filled up with thoughts and ideas and stuff. And so, yeah, I saw John doing his thing, and I was like, huh, you know, Discord's got some features you know they have something uh like a live stage feature thing and i thought oh well maybe we could just kind of muck about with that see what we come up with and i think it was probably within between seven and ten days we had a fully fledged podcast we had logo art we had a title we had that's fast yeah outline of of everything um when john and i first started talking and we didn't really we we kind of we knew of each other on the discord we weren't like buddies or anything like that and he's like oh yeah i'm an audio i'm a trained audio engineer (laughs) Just like, oh my God, like we have a guy who can edit the podcast. He's a musician, so he's written all of our intro music. Um, I'm, I've got a lot of experience in, in business and project management and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, between the two of us, we sort of got everything covered. And um, yeah, we pitched uh, Jim and Aaron, who are the principals over at Bald Move. And um, we said, hey, we got this idea. We know that Game of Thrones or um, House of the Dragons is going to be, you know, coinciding is going to be a pretty heavy lift for all the lore um, that for both shows that are involved in there. So we kind of pitched them on saying, well, look, we'll do a, what if we did a eight episode prep podcast going into the deep lore, giving meta context for people. So as they're going into the show, they've got some idea of what's going on. And then during the season, we kind of had a companion podcast that was covering a lot of the lore stuff and we'd cover some of the deeper feedback questions and things like that. And since then, since that show went off the air, we, uh, we just, we had such a great time and it was just such a successful partnership, like literally just lightning in a bottle. We said, Hey, well, let's keep going. So we, um, started covering Andor. We covered uh, white Lotus. We just are wrapping up kaleidoscope. We're about to start the last of us tonight. We have a Patreon. We put some uh, exclusive content out on there, something that we call Second Breakfast, which is kind of a parody of our parent podcast. They have something called Lunch. Um, and that's where we talk about life and, you know, things that we're not professionally podcasting. We're doing uh, Silmarillion stories. Um, we're doing a, a slow read of that. We've mm-hmm. got uh, an occasional podcast with another buddy of mine called MC Universe. We're doing meta context on um, MCU. We're covering a bunch of Star Wars stuff. So, yeah, we're... We're just doing the the whole pop culture TV show podcasting thing, I guess if you could say. We John, did I did I miss anything? I think you got it covered, man. I mean, okay. that was that was a whole lot. Uh, Thelorehounds.com. That's where it all is. If you really <laughs> want, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, all of all of that will be linked in the episode description. By the way, listeners, um, lots of wonderful nerdy content of things that like I have been asked, oh, after Tolkien, will you do X, Y, Z? And most of the time I'm like, no, I won't do those things. (laughs) So it sounds like Lorehounds, go check them out if you want, if you do want that content. Um, It will not be coming from me though. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's, let's dive into um, Appendix A. Um, Previously, I left off with the heirs of Isildur uh, or, and, who was his dad? Elendil. God, you guys are going to... This is what <laughs> I'm like. Know. The whole Don't worry thing. about it. 
I know all the names. So much hate it mail. just depends on like what name comes out of my mouth sometimes, you know? Like We had we had uh, we got l- lots of trouble for mispronouncing Galadriel uh, and uh, Oh, I don't care about pronunciation right, yeah, anymore. Oh boy. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's uh there's people out there who will just give you um, a lot of their opinions based on, on how yes. you pronounce things. So. Check our yes, iTunes reviews. Yeah. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, uh, before I started the podcast, I had only seen Galadriel written, and yes. I thought it was um, Galadriel <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> until like I started talking to people, right. and they're all saying Galadriel, and I was yeah. like, oh, you know what? That does sound a lot better than Galadriel, which sounds right. like a um, antibiotic or something. <laughs> right. From <laughs> Pfizer. New yes. from Pfizer. Yeah. Yeah, Galadriel. Get your Galadriel booster today. I can see the commercials on CNN right now with some like cheesy hip music and some people living the, their best lives because of Galadriel. There's a <laughs> bunch of memes online, which is like, is it a Tolkien name or is it an antidepressant? Yes, I have played that me. quiz and That's it's awesome. very funny. <laughs> Highly recommend doing that if you're ever if you're ever bored. So we're picking up. We're doing uh, just two sections in the uh, in Appendix A, kind of finishing up the Gondor st- storyline. We heard all about the history of Gondor last week and the week before with the heirs of Isildur and Anarion, that guy. And now we're going to hear about. It's so funny. It says, here follows a part of the tale of Aragorn and Arwen. So that implies more of the tale is out there somewhere. Um, and we'll also be reading um, the House of Aeorl. Uh, a- that's a terrible word to say. Um, a- Aeorl. And then you get Aeorlingus. You got to <laughs> yeah. expand Aeorlingus, it. Aeorlingus, I can say. But Aeorl is a a <laughs> You know, it's, my my proudest Tolkien pronunciation moment was when I finally got to saying Nirnaeth Arnoidiad, and that was uh, I don't think good, I can I don't think I, I don't think I, I've I attempted can, it. I but there's still some that trip me up. I still I still got yelled at for my Galadriel pronunciation. So <laughs> I, I think it's just random. You just flip a coin if you're going to pronounce it right or not. Yes, yeah. Um, it was a big day for me when I finally learned how to say Ainulindale. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good, a good one. one. A good I one. opened the Silmarillion and like the first word, it was like nonsense to me. Tolkien goes no warm up. Just yeah, just <laughs> right Ainulindale. And then you see if you've ever done uh, any Spanish. Um, the the end of that word is dale, so you want to say like dale, uh, like pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, and <laughs> <laughs> so you're like I I dale, like anyway, we know how to say Aragorn and Arwen, thank God. Yep. So, <laughs> um, we are now down to we're we're picking up with the line of Isildur, and we're at Eridor, who is Aragorn's grandfather. And his son, Arathorn, uh, finds this girl and is really in love with her. She is not yet really of marrying age. And Arathorn is kind of a fully grown man. So it does kind of bring into some, I don't know if either of you guys are on TikTok, but there's a trend where when there are some questionable ages in relationship, the NCIS theme will play. (laughs) So it's kind of like, hmm, okay, well... I guess it was different there, but I'm assuming they're both in love and Aridor is 
not really into this marriage. He's like, she's so young. Um, and I also believe that you, my son, are going to be short-lived. And his wife says, um, for, foresees, she said, if these two wed now, hope may be born for our people. But if they delay, it will not come while this age lasts. So they're married and they have... Who else but Aragorn? Aragorn, son of Arathorn, of course. And almost like immediately, Arathorn is killed Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and dies. And it it calls into question what I've pointed out in previous episodes where I'm like, if the sons of Isildur knew that like they have to carry on this reign and so you'd think they'd like stay out of trouble or settle down long enough until like their sons were more um you know were a little bit older but Aragorn is two years old when Arathorn goes off um to battle somewhere and uh riding against the orcs is where is how he died Ooh, one an orc, sorry, just it just occurred to me, like I didn't take it in until now. An orc arrow that pierced his eye. Delightful. Yikes. <laughs> wow, very that's specific. Fun. Yeah, yeah. They all do die super early. I mean, it's it's uh, super interesting. I, I heard you say on the last podcast, I listened to your, your previous appendix, uh, a podcast, and it, like, why are these women continuing to marry? yeah yeah that's the other i'm like where are they me so we do have some context that gilrayan is um uh aragorn's mother is also descended somewhere from along the line of isildur she is she is of the dunedain so i guess that's how they're finding them is they're just like kind of within the family Mm -hmm. distantly um but yeah i'm like what (laughs) why why how is this happening for so many um generations continuing on that's um, just the tolkien way you just got to go find somebody you're kind of related to and uh do the whole touring thing you know just uh just get get going not not as although we are gonna have a what i i refer to in my notes as kind of a turin moment um from aragorn coming up in a, mm-hmm. in a bit gilrayan gilrayan again uh, that's the pronunciation I'm going with. And Aragorn are taken into Rivendell where they seek refuge. And Elrond essentially raises Aragorn as his own. And he is called Estelle, which means hope. And his true name and lineage were kept secret at the bidding of Elrond because he knows that at this time, um, Sauron and his people are out there looking for the heir of Isildur and they're looking to take him out. So they're keeping this secret and lineage from Aragorn. And I guess he's just growing up thinking like, wow, I'm a, I'm a small elf or something. I don't know. <laughs> like I'm a weird looking elf, I guess. I wanted to uh, uh, just jump back really quickly uh, before yeah we talk about Yes, please. Yeah, yeah I could Judah see you sending some and, stuff in the chat. Yeah. yeah, elves and stuff like that. When we were doing our stuff, um, we, you know, I came across this whole world of fandom movies on YouTube where people can make uh, these films and because they're not making any money off them they're not monetizing them they're well they're in the fair use you know sort of realm and 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 the estate can't you know um ask them to stop and there's a one particular film called born of hope which is actually about aragorn's parents and it's a fictional uh, uh telling of this it's for um fanfic film it's 
pretty good. Uh, like it, it definitely ranks in, in, in the higher tiers of, of what's out there and what people have made. But um, it's an interesting look at what those folks were dealing with at the time. And then sort of the decision to hand Aragorn over to, uh, what's his name in Rivendell? I'm blanking his name. The elf guy, you know. Elrond. Elrond. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. I had a little <laughs> brain, brain moment there. So, um, yeah, I, I passed you the, the, the link. You can find yeah, it Yeah, I'm looking YouTube at it now. Maybe throw it in the, in the show notes or something like that if people want to check it out. There's a whole world of, the to- of Tolkien film, you know, f- Tolkien fanfic films out there. And I really encourage people to go find a bunch of this stuff. Some of them are great, like really good, like really impressive. And then other ones are like, Oh, that's so sweet. You went out to the park with your hood and, you know, with your hood. Yeah, and, and yeah. Play. I was I was a, a teenager who had a, a video camera. Yeah. So. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, yes, I am. That's really crazy. I can see one of the pictures on this Wikipedia article. Aerith- I legitimately thought that one picture of there's a woman and then behind her is Arathorn. Yeah. I thought that was Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Looks straight up, doesn't it? Yeah. Wild. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, yeah, definitely want to check this out. Um, wow, this is really extensive and really cool. It never occurred to me. Um, I mean, I don't know why, um, but it never occurred to me to look up um like fan made films and stuff. Yeah, um, we stumbled across now. it. Yeah, we we completely stumbled across it ourselves, and then it was like, whoa, there's this whole world out there. And so it was a fun addition to looking at how people how serious people are about Tolkien and how much it mm-hmm. means to them. Yeah. And and regardless of yeah. the, the quality of, of something that you made, the fact that you were comfortable enough to get some costumes together, get your friends together and go out in the park and do something, that means something. Somebody, you know, to somebody, those people, it means something that they did this. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it's just cool. It just shows you the the scope of of Tolkien's influence on on everyone. Yeah, the, the depths of... The Tolkien fandom, I'm constantly um, blown away by of yeah. of like the amount of creativity that people have um, to like constantly be thinking of ways to to like show their appreciation or put their spin on things or Tolkien inspiring them to like spin off and write their own things and you know create their own universes and like cosplay and music and yeah film right like it's so amazing the the creativity of the fandom to like keep doing this and keep again like you said yeah showing like how deeply passionate they they are about this and how much um this this you know like 80 year old book like really means to them um and it's so cool that they that you sent this because as I, as I was reading this part and as I was reading the, the previous sections too about the, the heirs of, of Ellen Dill, I was like, this is what I want to see like a TV show about. Mm-hmm. I was like all of these bat, like these adventures yeah. I want to yeah. see um, later on when it's talking about Aragorn growing up and like doing his own thing and going off by himself. I was like, I want to see like a prequel series of like Aragorn in his ranger days and like more of like the Dunedain just like out doing stuff. Like that's the cool stuff I want to see. So I'll definitely be looking at this film born of hope. Yeah. Listeners I've already, so I don't forget I've already put it in my notes. So it will be in the episode description. And I also love that it's, you know, it's um free. I forget what the, word is right, yeah whatever. not free, free license fair use. Right, yeah. what yeah fair use fair use yeah, that's fair it use, yeah. yeah it's fair use so everyone can go and watch it 
Where were we? Oh yeah. So they're they're keeping the the lineage secret from Aragorn, and he's just I don't know growing up thinking he's like an elf boy or something, having a, a fun childhood. <laughs> um, I would love to have a childhood in Rivendell. I think that would be great. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but when he is, uh, 20 years old, he has been out doing stuff and he comes back to Rivendell and this is where Elrond is, he sees him, I guess, and, and is, I'm sure like a lot, a lot of parents experience, honestly, where like you look at your child and you're like, oh, you're not, you're not really a child anymore. You're, you know, you're growing up and Elrond decides this is the time I'm going to tell him, um, and explain what's happened. And so he shows him the ring the, there's like a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of heirlooms and stuff that he has to keep track of. The Ring of Barahir, mm. the Shards of Narsil, and the Scepter of Anuminas, which is the um, like kingdom back in Numenor. Um, and so he get he gives him the ring, but he's like, I'll wait, I'll hold on to the scepter until like I know you've earned it. And so Aragorn goes off on his own and is kind of contemplating this. And he's walking through the woods and suddenly he sees a fair maiden walking, <laughs> walking, and she is like an angel on earth. And of course, he falls in love because that is how so many stories and love stories in Tolkien happen is uh, a dude is in the woods and sees a woman. Yep. And that's and that's how they fall in love, which I've discussed with my guests before that um, in real life. If I was in the woods and I saw a man, I would hightail it the opposite direction. As Luthien did with Theron and Luthien. You know, she was was like, um, no. And then they're like, all right, we'll just fall in love anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and that's exactly what Arwen kind of does because Aragorn, growing up in Rivendell, he's heard all of these stories, all of these, like, you know, basically the Silmarillion. Mm -hmm. Um, So he knows about Baron and Luthien, and he believes that this is Luthien before him. And so he calls out to Nuviel. I can imagine Arwen being like, um, no, (laughs) not, not me. Um, That's like my great, great, great uh, grandma or something like that. It's a bunch. Um, Not me. I'm flattered, though. That's cute. But also, you're a child to me. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> her her stepbrother child. I mean, it's, yes, it's, right. uh, that's the thing I can't get. <laughs> it's a they, little rough. They explained that away. But because I, I also questioned that um, kind of like watching the movies and stuff um, being like, OK, but if Elrond raised Aragorn as, you know, his foster son. Wouldn't that mean, like, Arwen is, like, his foster sister, you know? Yeah. So, like, wouldn't wouldn't you be a, a little bit perturbed about that situation? But they explain this away by saying that Arwen has been in Lothlorien, right. with, uh, which is where her her mother's kin are, because this Killer is where my lineage is. You can see my yeah. brain working. Galadriel's daughter is Arwen's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, who has gone away to the Undying Lands by now. Um, so she's been with Galadriel in Lothlorien with like her mother's people. And I was like, for 20 years? Really? Like, ah, not that's once? like a minute for an elf. But exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, actually, you know what? Yeah. She probably was there for 20 years and didn't even think about it because yeah. they are elves. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little weird. But then you're like, well, elves are weird. So I guess I'll just roll with it. Yeah. yeah you just kind of, I mean, and. You know, we have, and Arwen says, um, we are akin from afar. 
um, for I and El- for I am Elrond's daughter, and I'm named also Undomiel. Because um, Aragorn says, I'm Isildur's heir. And then that's the thing that makes her be like, oh, cool. We're like, I don't know, 14th cousins or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably more than that. I mean, it's it's a lot of lines from Elros to yeah. uh, to Aragorn. So, yeah, it's it's super distant. But like, OK, yeah, they're they're both from Baron and Luthien. And I think that's the main point. It's like they come from this like romantic couple of a man and an elf. And, uh, and that's where they're going to like rekindle this kind of elvish manish fire yeah something else that struck me when i was redoing uh, when i was rereading the the chapter of the appendix this part of the appendix the other day was you know how she's she's older than him she's sort of in in some ways more worldly you know he's just sort of this young sprout of a man and if you look at tolkien's life um edith you know his wife she was a few years older than him Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And um, he met her at the boarding house that he was living at. And um, he didn't, you know, they, they were, him and his brother were just sort of installed in this place. And then at some point he, he came across her and they became very, you know, fast friends and were always running around playing, you know, pranks and jokes and, you know, doing stuff together. Um, and then, you know, a, a lot is known about their their history and how he had to wait before he could propose to her and all these kinds of things. But when we talk about Tolkien as a writer and how he brings his whole experience, his whole lived experience mm-hmm. as an orphan coming from South Africa to the England being um, a Catholic, you know, you know, becoming a Catholic or being a Catholic in a Protestant country, um, you know, falling in love with a woman who is older than him, like significant, you know, in a, enough that it's like, mm, that's like, mm, that's not normal. Um, all of these things and in his wartime experience, et cetera, et cetera. He brings all of that into the stories that he has here. And I couldn't help but reading this passage about Arwen and, um, and Aragorn. And just that was just echoing in my head, this love story between these two people who just sort of stumble across each other. And then, um, you know, how they're sort of, they need to be apart for a while before they're allowed to, to wed and, and all of these kinds of things. And then he dies before her. Uh, which is also true in, in real life, even though he wrote mm. this long before he could yeah. have, you know, pr- press the edge. That point's a little passing. scary, you very, know? <laughs> very, He was tapped into some stuff. But anyway, I think it's just a beautiful uh, mirroring so that, like, when you when you sort of slide across the barrier over into the real life stuff, there are all these powerful and poignant echoes of what we have in the in the fictional world that he created. And it's not yeah, an allegory. And, um, Don't call it an allegory. Or I was literally, I was going to say, and it's so funny because, you know, Tolkien, I don't know, f- famously or not famously, I don't know, um, said, you know, like, there's absolutely no allegory in my, in my stories. And then it's like, okay, but... There certainly are a lot of like real life similarities, yeah. bro, you know, so. So back to the story. <laughs> Arwen, yeah, Arwen and Aragorn meet in the woods. Aragorn's like, I love you. Arwen's like, that's cute. Um, <laughs> this is maybe not appropriate. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Bye. Da, 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 um, da. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A little, yeah. The NCIS theme coming in. So he goes and talks to his mom and she's like. Elrond, Elrond has been really nice to us um, and has like protected both of us from so much and he's done so much for the both of us. But I do not think that you will have the goodwill of Elrond in this matter. <laughs> She's like, this is Elrond's daughter. Um, he is not going to let her daughter fall in love with not only like a mortal man, but 
up until now, every single one of Isildur's heirs has, you know, died young or, um, you know, like he has he has this fate, this destiny that he is supposed to go after. And, uh, you know, Elrond's like, I don't know if that's going to happen. If it does, that would be cool if you guys got married. I don't know. But like Gilran's like, Elrond's not going to let you, you know, ma- marry Arwen. Sorry. Um, and then this is what I was talking about earlier, where I was getting a lot of like Turin Turin bar vibes from this one line where Aragorn says, then bitter will be my days and I will walk in the wild alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which just like w- when I was reading Turin Turin bar, a lot of it, I was like, I think you're putting this on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're doing this to yourself, bro. Like, okay. it's very sullen boy, you know, yeah. uh, kind of thing. Like, oh, I, I don't well, have the tools. Well, he's only 20. He's only you know? 20. He's young. I don't have the yeah. tools to manage my interior or emotional life. So I'll just yeah. be sullen and brooding. And so he's like, oh, else. I can't have this beautiful elf. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go be sad and alone for the rest of my days. Right. So that's exactly what he does. He goes, he goes off uh, into the woods and does like his ranger stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? And before he leaves, he does have a conversation with Elrond and Elrond knows. And he's like, has my mom told, has my mom talked to you? (laughs) Like, have you guys (laughs) spoken about this? And he's like, no, I can tell. Yeah. Because you're looking at her like a lovesick puppy. He's got like pictures of her in his locker. In the, yeah. in the Rivendell locker room. It's like, and- I found your notebook. It says, Mr. Arwen Undomiel. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will um, say it it's says, Arwen cool and Aragorn forever. Yeah, <laughs> Car- yeah. Carved into a tree in the woods. Yeah. And so he says it will... This is where he has this conversation that we saw a lot of in the Lord of the Rings movies um, that I was always wondering about. I was like, where did this plot line come from? This right. is so... I also like didn't also just like as a woman I didn't appreciate it because it's a lot of two men talking about what a what Arwen a fully you know competent woman is going to do and it's like why don't we ask her what does she want to do how about she makes her own choices Liz Tyler didn't sign on to this movie to be disregarded like this <laughs> so um Elrond basically says I will, she she is going to come with me and the rest of her kin into the Undying Lands when that time comes. And yes, it is her choice to decide whether to leave or stay, but you better not give her a reason to want to choose between staying and leaving. And uh, Aragorn's like, okay, got the message. I will leave. Bye. There, um, I'm trying to remember from our previous conversations with Father Morgan, the the priest who raised Tolkien. Mm-hmm. That what was the like? Because Tolkien was pursuing Edith, yes. and then there was like he forbade her, and then there was I forget what the back and forth. Yeah, was. I remember it was it was something because uh, <laughs> he was Catholic and she was not Catholic. Yeah. I remember something. She about ultimately that, converted, yeah. but yeah. But then he forbade. What was the what happened? He said he he said that she could he couldn't speak to her until he was twenty one, I believe. Right. And um and if he did that a day earlier, then Father Francis Morgan was going to cut off his college fund, and he, that was actually Father Francis Morgan's money. Like he was bankrolling the Tolkien's, um because he he happened to be wealthy. I mean, Marilyn has talked about like it has to do with his order of priesthood. I don't know. It's complicated, but anyway, he just for, forbade him from seeing Edith, and so yeah, I guess this is kind of similar. I I will say with this, it's like. I guess that I kind of see where Elrond's coming from a little bit. It's not just like, you can't have my daughter. Uh, it's it's a little more like, okay, 
either she goes with me and her brothers and her mother and lives happily ever after in paradise, yeah. or she goes to some far off place we don't even know about uh, just because she wants to have a fling with you. Yeah, and she'll be heartbroken forever because she's going to experience the doom of man. Yes. As, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, Elrond that doom of man. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aragorn goes off. Um, for nearly 30 years, he labored in the cause against Sauron, and he became a friend of Gandalf the Wise, from whom he gained much wisdom. So this we're is meeting where up with Gandalf. If, yes. if we're, you know, if we're talking about um, spinoffs, and I think, you know, we theorize that one of the reasons um, the Tolkien estate went so hard, because they offered the tender for Rings of Power, right? It, it wasn't, Amazon didn't go to the Tolkien estate and say, we want this. The Tolkien estate said, hey, we're going to auction off some stuff. Y'all, you know, everybody come and give us your, your pitches. Mm-hmm. And um, Amazon won that mini sort of competition. Yeah, that sweet, sweet Bezos money. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. Well, and I think they were even less than somebody else had offered bit. more money. Yeah, I think Netflix yeah. offered a higher bid. But then we wouldn't have gotten a season two. So uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Netflix would have like, yeah, capped it. But um, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were trying to get ahead of like uh, the, the new line people doing it because exactly. Embracer Group was buying that soon. I don't know how much um, the Tolkien Estate knew at that point, but like over the summer, the Embracer Group, which is mostly a video game and tabletop game company, yeah, Swedish bought company. the rights to the fi- the films. And they were saying, we want to do like a bunch of spinoffs. We want to make the Tolkien cinematic universe. And, yep. and you're going to have a great time with an Aragorn solo film. Um, the, the jury is out on if that will be good or not. But mm. right. But yeah. what I was going to say, I remember now, is like, I would love, if we're going to see some of this sort of, you know, Tolkien, you know, expanded universe uh, IP tent thing, um, seeing Aragorn and Gandalf, you know, yes. doing some stuff, I'd be down for that. I'd watch yeah. that. I, I would I would genuinely watch any of that because it mentions like he um he, he goes around kind of like skulking in the shadows because he knows his you know, he knows that um, there's a, a price on his head, so to speak. Um, so he goes and he rides in the host of the Rohirrim and fought for the Lord of Gondor. So we know this is when he's what's his name? Like Throngil. Mm-hmm. He's just like out doing quests left and right like really it really would make for like a good video game <laughs> um <laughs> just like lots of quests that kind of like automatically lead into the the other anyway um and it says thus he became at last the most hardy of living men skit and as i'm saying this everyone just remember uh, just like i want you to picture in your head um that 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 like first shot we see of Viggo Mortensen in fellowship and he's just like in the corner with like his feet propped up and his hood <laughs> And he's smoking um, in like the dark corner by himself. He became a hearty, uh, hearty of living men skilled in their crafts and lore and was yet more than they for he was elven wise. And there was a light in his eyes that when they were kindled, few could endure. His face was sad and stern because of the doom that was laid on him. Yet hope dwelt ever in the depths of his heart from which mirth would arise at times like a spring from the rock. Mm, so he's mm, mm. he's he's doing his own thing he's like really growing as a person coming into his own craft like kind of like like really picking up those again like kind of like a video game video game character like picking up all these like different like skills mm-hmm. that i can like see the little skill bar increasing for like <laughs> wi- wisdom strength um you know like craftiness or whatever 
And eventually, when he's 49 years old, so now it's been um, almost 30 years. I had to do that math. God. <laughs> um, it's been 30-ish years since he left Rivendell, and he's learned about um, who he is, and he's met Arwen, and he comes into La Florian, and Galadriel makes him clean up and and uh, and gives him fancy elf clothes, and he meets again Arwen. And now Arwen is like, Oh, no, Dude. I am attracted to you now. Yeah. <laughs> now that you've been, gone off in the world and you're like sulky and you're like chiseled and, and more grisly towards the world. Yes. Now I get it. <laughs> did Galadriel like set up some romantic evening for them? Did he like, did oh you, like, my gosh. Have, a, have like one of those swan boats where they go down oh, the water? It's, I, I just feel like that's what happened. Yeah. She she like orchestrated this. Um, Well, it wouldn't be a meet cute because they have already met. But, you know, she's I can see that her like orchestrating this being like, Mm -hmm. why don't you know, like, oh, I'm going to clean you up a bit and make you look a lot more, um, you know, uh, a lot more important than you look as this like dirty ranger. And you know what? Hey, why don't you go for a walk in the woods? And then like five minutes later being like, hey, Arwen, I think I left my scarf over by that tree. Can you go (laughs) find it? (laughs) This time now he see she sees him and it says uh in like in that moment her choice was made and her doom appointed. I lo- like her choice was made. And so this whole talk in the Lord of the Rings trilogy between like Elrond and Aragorn and Aragorn and Arwen to her it's sign sealed delivered. She has she's like I've already made up my mind. I'm in love with you. I'm sticking with you through the end. So they go back to do they go back to Rivendell at some point? I don't know. Whatever. Point being, Elrond's kind of like declaration over this relationship is um, fine. I guess you can be together, but I don't want her sacrificing. You know her her elfness. <laughs> I don't want her giving up that gift that she has for nothing. Only for the like most important utmost cause will I be okay of her like staying behind so that means you need to go and you know he, he doesn't say like you have to go defeat Sauron and be the king of Gondor but that's essentially what it comes down to is like you need to really earn it and prove to me that you can be this you know you can be this king and then only will you be truly worthy of Arwen and what she is giving up to stay with him well, he has to become the king of Gondor and Arnor, right? A kingdom that doesn't exist anymore, which is super reminiscent of the impossible task that Beren was given by Thingol yes. to get the hand of Luthien. So Tolkien is doing this like cyclical uh, nature of the things that happen in these bloodlines. And uh, so, so Aragorn's got his impossible task to rule mm-hmm. over and a he even, he even says that to elrond he's like oh so like baron okay yeah yeah <laughs> not a problem and then um i love it it the appendix does this every now and then so it says thus the years drew on to the war of the ring of which more is told elsewhere <laughs> i love that as if like you know, you didn't just finish reading Return of the King. Right. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. I know more is told elsewhere. Thank you for informing me. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like how in the Silmarillion he does the Lord of the Rings in like two lines. He's like, and then there was a hobbit and he uh, destroyed the ring and it was fine. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, the ring is destroyed. Yay. In the midst of all of this, you know, the the like 
celebration of the destruction of the ring, Arwen and Aragorn are married finally. Um, And this is like the very sad parting now that Elrond was so afraid of before. This was very hard for them that they basically all left and Arwen is now essentially, you know, she is a mortal woman. But everyone loves, I mean, I would love our Arwen and Aragorn as like my king and queen too. So that that makes sense that like they're very well loved in Gondor. And Aragorn has a very like long successful reign, but eventually I don't like I don't know why in my head I'm like, yeah, Aragorn's gonna live forever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He eventually like is on his deathbed. Um he passes on the crown to his son I want to say like Eldarion. Yes. Wow. I plucked that out of my, I don't know where that was in my brain, but I was correct. Um, So he passes the crown on to his son. Um, Also, we find out that they also, they did have two other, they did have two daughters. They don't matter, (laughs) apparently, because they're not named. You wanted female characters in Tolkien. I mean, come on. I know, I know. But it wasn't until reading this that I found, I knew that like he had a son. It wasn't until now that I learned that they also had other children. They had two daughters. They, you know, share their parting words. And then as he dies, Arwen's, Arwen's saying, I understand now what all that drama that happened with the Numenorians was about. She's like, I get it now. Death is bad and it's terrible to experience <laughs> from, especially like as the person being left behind. Yeah. Um, that That's always the hardest part about death is the people that are left behind to deal with it and yep. to deal with, you know, your absence. I, I just think it's funny that it's like only right now does an elf really understand like, oh, you know what? Maybe the Numenorians did have a point. <laughs> this is kind of an awful thing to experience. Maybe this isn't maybe this isn't the the gift that uh, what's his name? Eru, Eru. Yep, yep. made it out to be. <clears throat> we call him Eru Arugula because it, it just <laughs> it just came out one day. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this in defense of the gift of death. Mm hmm. You know, we've talked about on our podcast how elves have this serial longevity. They're not immortal. They have a lifespan that is equal to the life of the world. So their life ends at some point, whereas like their being ends at some point, Mm -hmm. whereas men, mortal men go and are one with Eru in whatever place that Eru has prepared for them. And they are there forever. Like that is, you know, whatever it is, which seems to be a positive connotation, is there forever. So Aragorn and Arwen are going to have a longer uh, presence together than Arwen would have ever had with her family, if you look at it that way. So I don't know. We we see the end of it as sad, but if you look at it from Tolkien's view, you know, Tolkien the Catholic, the gift of men is positive. Um, it, it may have been a happier ending post-death for Arwen and Aragorn. Yeah. And also like another thing in, you know, defense of this gift, a moment from the Rings of Power show when uh, Durin and Elrond are like reunited and Durin is really mad at Elrond because he hasn't seen him in like 20 something years. And to Elrond, that's unimportant. That's nothing. But Durin is like, no, this is a really big deal. I don't live as long as you do. Like I experience Mm -hmm. life a different way. And so, you know, death makes the time that you have 
and like the time that you have with the people around you all that more important and right. meaningful and i think this in this section of of the arwen and aragorn appendix i think it, it kicks off when um aragorn is saying goodbye to his mother and she says to him um you know i gave right. hope to the dunedain i have kept no hope for myself like oh, oh right man. sorry i like a, a brutal line no no worries and then when you know when aragorn is talking with with uh, i get my brain is uh, melting arwen. with um arwen thank you and he says i speak no comfort to you for there is no comfort for such pain within the circles of the world and it's just like another like yeah. oh my god like this is just like some really heavy painful stuff when people are dealing with mortality and mm -hmm. you know the end of the life especially after such a long life and such a full life you know and coming to the end and again i, I go back to tolkien himself in his life and you know I, I think he died a little bit unexpectedly um and then that was it right and mm -hmm. and there is no comfort in that it just mm -hmm. is there is you know you do with it what you will but you know the plain fact is we're here and then we're not and uh, he really gets to the 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 potency of that, yeah, the the, the mortal life uh, thing in this story, and I think it's it's really it's beautifully written and yeah. beautifully expressed. But Tolkien also mirrors the passages about early Numenorians when they were in their glory and yeah. they would pass along their crown or their scepter and they would be ready for death. They would submit to death as a natural part of life, and they would, mm -hmm. they would go to sleep in peace and not wake up. Whereas Aragorn even says to Arwen, like, what do you want me to do? Cling? Like, do you want me to fade like the, the Numenorians who, who fell from fell from grace, basically? And I think that that's a super important part is that Aragorn sort of rose back to that level of early Numenorean mm -hmm. where he was ready to go and he went. Yeah, he, he recognized like my time, my time has come. Let me, you know, go gracefully and peacefully. Let me have the time to say the things that I want to say to my loved ones. You know, let me have these last few moments, you know, of my it's also kind of like it's it's the last um thing that like you as a person have have control over you know like right. don't like don't take you know like don't take that away from me that like in my last moments this is the last thing that i can choose to do for myself is to like accept and give in mm -hmm. and and any of us should be so lucky to have that opportunity to say yeah. those words to oh, yeah. people that we love right yeah so he he dies everyone's upset obviously it says that as he's like, you know, there, I'm imagining Gondor has some kind of like almost like funeral procession or something where people can like come up and see the king or something. Um, and it says that they saw the grace of his youth and the valor of his manhood and the wisdom and majesty of his age were blended together. Mm. And long there he lay an image of the splendor of the kings of men in glory undimmed before the breaking of the world. So when people are coming up to say goodbye, they're not they're not seeing like uh, uh, at least this is how I'm picturing this. They're not seeing in their eyes like a crippled old man who's withered away. They're seeing like this very strong king and leader who like say, you know, saved the world and like brought every brought everything, brought the kingdom back together um, and completely changed things for the better. I'm not enough of a scholar to be able to uh, pluck this reference, but I know that uh, within Christendom, 
um, you know, the, there's there when with funeral rites, there's um, sometimes there's stuff about the corruption of the world and and the everlasting glory, and that you know you're you're mm-hmm. going to heaven to be with God, and you know your body, you know, and your body is going to you know become part of the world, and so all of this is just very Tolkien the Catholic happening here, like where this his beautiful spirit is is in peace and you know because he was more than a man he was a dunedine guy and you know wisdom of the elves and all this kind of stuff but it just all rings very very religious to me very deeply ceremonial Mm -hmm. arwen then goes away to lorien but everyone's left (laughs) she it's kind of like only one, one of the things too i think that um aragorn says to her as he's dying is like you know, why don't you take your chance and like go, you know, leave this world and forget everything, you know, for put thoughts of us behind and go live the rest of your life peacefully. And she's like, everyone left. Like, there's no more boats to, to heaven. <laughs> like, like, that's kind of I'm the point. Yeah. That's kind of what my dad was talking about yep. all those years ago. Yep. And so now she she's really faced with that. And she's alone in Lorien. And she's, you know, reminiscing about this meeting where they 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 met the second time and fe- you know fell in love and kind of like made their declaration to each other and so she fa- uh, lays herself down upon i'm assuming it's like a hill and i guess this is just like something elves can do that she just like chooses to die then <laughs> she's like okay i'm done mm-hmm. <laughs> bye uh and so she lays down and there is her green grave until the world is changed and all the days of her lives are utterly forgotten by men that come after. Here ends this tale as it has come to us from the south. And with the passing of Evenstar, no more is said in this book of the old, of the days of old. So that's, you know, the end, the end of the elves in Middle Earth, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- uh, th- theoretically, you know, her children, the yeah. Aragorn and Arwen's children are, you know, like half elven and half that elven. Well, then again, technically, technically Elrond is half elven. And so like, yeah, yeah right. Go- there, going down the line, you know, whatever. There's definitely some Avari, the unwilling elves that didn't go that that like were like, ah, we'll, we'll hang around here and just fade. And, and we're, we're good with fading. But uh, yeah, it's definitely the end of elven glory. That is the end yeah. of like. The golden age of elves, which was um kind kind of like the whole point of why Elrond and, and Galadriel and Celeborn all left is they're like they they've recognized like the age of elves mm-hmm. in Middle Earth is right. done. It's now the age of men. You know, like right. we're done. It's your turn now. Right. We've and, we've and, dealt with this land forever. Right, Bye. and part of that is they know the the ring power is going to fade after. Yes, yeah. Like, I either either Sauron was going to win and they couldn't use the rings or Sauron was going to lose and the rings would probably lose power. So they knew that they had to leave. That's why they, they had to prep. Yeah. So um, that that's like the history of Gondor. <laughs> um, all the way, you know, start going all the way back to when uh, the Numenorians show up in, in this land, all the way through the, the heirs and sons of Elendil and taking us through the War of the Ring and to the characters that we are familiar with to to their end in Gondor. So now let's reverse and go back in time and see what's happening in Rohan. I tried to like look at listeners, you know my relationship with maps. Um, it's <laughs> not good. I hate any time. Tolkien talks about geography because it's so hard for me to picture and I need the map. And the problem is that the map in this book has like 
the the lands and the geographical features that are named as they are in Lord of the Rings versus hundreds of years prior where like territories are different and go by different names. And like by the time you get to Lord of the Rings, some things are just completely destroyed. So like looking at the map that's in my book was not helpful. But point being, what happens is, and we did hear some of this from like the Gondor perspective earlier, where um, these people in the land that is basically Rohan, um, they come to the aid of Gondor when they are having, um, I think I think it's the people from Umbar are coming up from the south and then orcs are swarming them from the north. They're having this big battle. The, the Eorlingas come to their aid. It Like T- Tolkien loved doing this with the Rohirrim. Says all hope was lost when unlooked for the riders came out of the north and broke upon the rear of the enemy. And that that happens so many times of Rohan like coming unlooked for, you know. That's their move. That's like their signature their, move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so they win this battle. And because of this, the steward of Gondor, because now we've gotten... Um, we're at the timeline in Gondor where we've had all the kings and the kings have like kind of died off now. And then now we're in the hands of the stewards. The steward of Gondor says like, thanks so much for helping us out. You can have this land now. And I find it funny that, so they, they refer to themselves as the Eorlingas, but the, the, um, Stewart is like, oh, interesting. We call you guys the Rohirrim because it means horse people. And so like, <laughs> that's kind of like from our perspective, we, call Rohan Rohan because that's the that's what Gondor calls it versus like what the actual native people call it which is something different which I always found interesting to talk about in the Silmarillion that like oh this is technically written by the elves so we're gonna right. call the dwarves um uh Khazad Ka- or, mm-hmm. or something um which means like short people instead of like the word that the dwarves call themselves you know right well the dwarves won't tell you their language anyway that's a whole thing they're (laughs) they're they're very tight-lipped about it yeah (laughs) um anyway that was like too much uh, about the word rohan anyway rohan is now a thing here we are aeol (laughs) that name aeol um is the first king of gondor his father is Le- Leod or Leod, Le- Leod, whatever. Whatever you want to um, say. He, <laughs> I don't know why I think this is so funny. Um, there's this wild horse that he tries to tame and he tries to ride this horse and the horse bucks him off and kills him. <laughs> and Aeorl <laughs> vows revenge against this horse. And goes to seek and hunt him down. And then they get there and everyone's watching him. And they think, oh, he's going to kill the horse now. It's just so funny to me, this idea of like this guy having a vendetta against a horse. He, he calls him uh, to come to him and says, Felaroth, I name you. You loved your freedom and I do not blame you for that. But now you owe me a great wear guild and you shall surrender your freedom to me until your life's end. And for some reason this works and it tames this horse and this horse is the ancestor of Shadowfax. 
Right. Um, and the Aerolingus, the Rohirrim, believe that this horse, um, the Me- Meras, M-E-A-R-A-S, they believe that like the original one of these horses was actually brought over by Orome himself. Um, and Orome, reminder, is the... God, what's the name for them? The Valar. Is the Valar, the Valar. That's it. Yeah. Is the is like the hunter Valar. And he always like rode around on a horse. And so they believe that like he brought over one of his like special horses. And that's why this line of horses that eventually leads down to Shadowfax is so important. Um, and it says they would bear no one but the king of the mark or his sons until the time of Shadowfax. And just again, a reminder that Gandalf technically stole shadow facts from Rohan. Um, and that's why like, they're all kind of salty with him. They're like, <laughs> we, we, we said you could borrow him, not like keep him permanently. Like we wanted him back. And Gandalf was like, too late now. He's my horse. It seems like he answers my call. That's what he's like. Yeah. 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 It's like, I don't know. He seems we're getting along pretty well. Um, so that's where Shadow Facts came from, in case you were wondering, because of course, even the horses have to have an extensive lineage written <laughs> out right. in this world. Th- they don't. He doesn't talk too much about um, so many of the kings of Rohan, and either like so. So the in-universe explanation is that like the characters of the book are putting this part of the story together. Um, I think it's I think at the beginning it says it's even like Mary or yeah, Pippin or someone is like yeah which is so funny god I guess the in universe explanation could be that like they were talking to Aragorn more often than they were Aomer to get these stories or maybe that like Aomer being the personality that he was like didn't really tell them that much or I don't know, maybe he was dumb and he didn't know a lot of the specifics of the different kings um, uh, of Rohan. But one of the most famous ones is Helm Hammerhand. And I was reading that like, that name sounds familiar to me. Because um, I'm pretty sure like it's something that like, you know, Theoden says. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Helm's Deep. Yeah. Right. Um, so and Helm Hammerhand. Go Sorry, ahead. go ahead. Well, I was going to uh, interject here that <clears throat> um, in, I think it's slated for April of next year, there's going to yes. be a movie, The War of the Rohirrim, and it's going to be about uh, Helm Hammerhand. And according yes. to Wikipedia, Brian Cox is going to be playing uh, Hammerhand himself. I guess uh, we'll find voicing. out where Gondor was when the Westfold fell. That's right. So uh, I guess voicing because it's going to be an animation. So uh, Reading this little section about, about Hammerhand... I was like, I get why we're going to have like a movie about yeah. this. Like, because a yeah. lot of this is really, uh, it's really like cool, Dramatic. insane stuff. Yeah. Um, so Helm Hammerhand, there's this one, I don't know, counselor, advisor. His name is Freka, and he is descended from, it just says he has um, Dunlendish mm-hmm. blood. I'm assuming this is like an area of Rohan that like, they, they don't like or they have reason yeah. to mistrust these people. I can't, yeah. for the life of me, remember if it was mentioned at any point yeah, so the, far. They, they sort of, in this passage, kind of mention it, I think. It's like they're the people who settled in, the, in Rovanian, which is what becomes Rohan, against the will of Gondor. And Gondor was like, okay, Rohirrim, that we just named you, go and kick those people out and you can have that land. So it's a little colonial. 
a little colonial here. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of touches of colonialism every now and mm-hmm. in, in in this story. Um, so this one guy, Freka, is not a cool dude. Honestly, I'm getting a lot of Grima worm tongue vibes from him. And I wonder if Freka is one of Grima Wormtongue's ancestors. I would be very interested to find out because it does say like, oh, he's dark haired and so is Grima. And basically everyone else in in Rohan is blonde, Mm -hmm. I guess. So one day they're having this meeting. It says, so Helm mistrusts him. He doesn't really listen to him, but he does still keep him, I guess, around um, and lets him come to meetings. I guess, you know, to you know, keep an eye on him. And one day Freka says, I think that your son should marry my daughter. I mean, sorry, wait, reverse that. Your daughter should marry my son. And Helm uh, makes a fat joke about him and says like, that's cute. No. And everyone laughs at him. And later on, when the council, when the meeting is over, he brings Freka off to the side and is like, tells his guards to go away. And he's like talking with him seriously. He says, now Dunling Ding, <laughs> that, that's from <laughs> where he is from. Um, not like an insult, although it does sound like an insult. You have only Helm to deal with alone and unarmed, but you have said much already and it is my turn to speak. Freka, your folly has grown with your belly. You talk of a staff. <laughs> If Helm dislikes a crooked staff that is thrust on him, he breaks it. So, and with that, he smote Freka with a blow. Uh, he smote Freka such a blow with his fist that he fell back stunned and died soon after. And this is when I was like, is he called Hammerhand because he killed the guy with his fist? You just want <laughs> the alliteration. Intense. It's like Doug Dimmodome. Helm Hammerhand, yeah. you know? <laughs> Helm Hammerhand. He punched a guy to death. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. So uh, he declares Freka and his other people enemies. Then Freka's son, his son's name is Wolf, by the way. Like, that's how you know he's a bad guy. Comes back with uh, an army and fights uh, the Rohirrim and runs them off. And they are forced to take refuge in the Hornburg, which was afterwards known as Helm's Deep. And I did not once think of that until it was mentioned now. Like when I saw the name Helm Hammerhand, I never thought like, oh, Helm's Deep. I don't know why it didn't connect. But reading this now, I'm like, oh, it's named after him. Okay, I got it. Um, So they have this siege going on um through the winter it's a really terrible winter all this time um wolf has uh taken the throne in edoras and helm's sons have been uh have have been killed by this point they're having this terrible winter and finally one day helm this is crazy too he decides that he's going to go out by himself clad in white and snock stalk like a snow troll into the camps of his enemies and slay many men with his hands. Um, and before he attacks them, he blows his horn. And later on, it's believed like a lot of this is storytelling, like rumors that are being spread, like, I guess, later on as 
generations are telling the story of what he did. Um, they believe that he, uh, when he could find no food, he ate men. Um, and that he believed himself that if he did not bring a weapon, that no one would actively fight him. So there's all these like, he's honestly like what it's talking about right now. It sounds like very much like a, a a legend, you know, Mm -hmm. that the, that the Rohirrim tell amongst themselves. Oh, textual ruins. We're back. Yeah. Yeah. So he's out like single-handedly trying to like fight down some of these enemy camps. Um, But one day, uh, he like blows his horn and doesn't come back ever again and like isn't seen. Oh, this is real creepy. In the morning, they see him like standing up on a hill and he's dead. And I guess he's frozen or something uh, because it says that like his knees are unbent, but he's just standing there dead. I'm just picturing and, Jack Nicholson from The Shining. Yeah. That's all I can yeah. picture here. Um, with that exact facial expression right, too. <laughs> right. Um, so the winter, the, the storms like clear winter broke and Helm's nephew now, Fr- uh, comes down and defeats Wolf I- in Edoras and takes back the throne and they bring back Helm who... <laughs> has been perfectly preserved because he was frozen to death. (laughs) Um, They bring him back to Edoras and bury him. And this white flower begins growing on his grave. And I think that's a detail that uh, they included in the movies, if I remember. Um, And it said that like this flower grows on all of the the graves. And like it mentions these mounds uh, that like later on, it'll say like the eighth mound in the ground of his line um and so this very like sacred act um, among rohan of like you know burying their kings very northern european anglo-saxony type of Mm. stuff Mm -hmm. that tolkien was drawing from for a lot of his inspiration so yeah you can see these things exist in the world and kingly mounds and yeah all you know all their artifacts and stuff yeah very different so around this time now saruman begins showing up and he it says bringing gifts and speaking great praise of the valor of the Rohirrim. So he's just like throwing, you know, his magic around. He's there to like have a good time, make friends. Um, and everyone is basically relieved that Saruman is in the house because they're like, thank God. Orthanc and Isengard are going to be under the care. And we, we have like the protection and added security of like our friendly neighborhood wizard. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And it says a friend he long seemed and maybe in the beginning he was one in truth. Though afterwards there was little doubt in men's mind that Saruman went to Isengard and hoped to find the stone still there and with the purpose of building up a power of his own. And of course, we know that's exactly what happened. But um I think it's interesting to learn this context of like how did Saruman get there? Like, why was no one ever suspicious of, of what he was doing? And it's because they were very relieved uh, to, to have a wizard nearby because right. they were being, you know, they were constantly under siege and being attacked, both Rohan and Gondor. And so they're like, we know Saruman, we trust him. Maybe he can come to our aid sometimes. Um, 
And so I think it's interesting that like the first couple kings and, you know, stewards of Gondor never thought twice about him. And like, that's how he was able to so successfully become, you know, this, this, the sneaky little traitor that he was. Well, I think that Saruman started off with at least telling himself, like, I'm not doing this to rule the world. I'm doing this for studying so that we can defeat Sauron and so we can get powerful enough to defeat him because that's why we were sent here. And uh, slowly over time, he had the capacity to do evil and he gets worse and worse over time. So I think at the time he gets to um, Isengard, he's not in full bad guy mode yet. Yeah, right. But the, those, I think those seeds yeah, yeah, for sure. could be there. Yeah. Then I would have appreciated this so much in the like... Heir, the heirs of um, specifically Anarion because Gondor's li- like l- lineage of kings and then stu- it's a mess mm-hmm. because it goes from like like it's pretty straightforward where it goes from like you know father to son and then sometimes and then it starts going to nephew and then it starts going to like second cousin yep. or something and then it goes back up to some to like some grandfather's grandson. It's so confusing. And here it just lays out. It says Kings of the Mark and it lays them all out by name. And it has the year that they were um, that they were alive. And so, and nice most anecdotes. of them have little like notations of like what happened during their time. Mm-hmm. Some of them, it just says, you know, Goldwine, Graham. And that's all we get. I was struck by uh, let me jump to my note here. Oh, where'd it go? Yeah, I was, I was going to say really the only one that. I want to call out here uh-huh. is uh, the second king is named Brago, which is the name of the horse in Two Towers that Aragorn bonds with. Oh, nice. And I was like, of course, that okay. horse was like named for a king yeah. right. in, in Rohan. And that that was really the only one I was going to point out until until we get down to Thangol. So if there was one that you guys wanted to talk about. Um... There was a guy named Fram who slew the dragon Skatha. And I thought that was an interesting little um, anecdote because we don't hear a lot about dragons, uh, you know, that they're, they're, you know, in, True. in Tolkien. And then the other thing that I, um, which caught me was Folka, who slew a boar but died of the tusk wounds. And that was just like, oh, that's just straight up um, George R. R. Martin um, with uh, Robert Baratheon. It was like, okay, dude, yeah. You know, kings being being gored by boars, probably pretty standard fantasy fare, but I was like, okay, it's right there, right? Like, <laughs> that's exactly what happened to Baratheon. Bobby B. Yeah. I also think it's hilarious that he died that way because he... Va- it says right, he, he vowed. vowed to chase no wild beast while there exactly. was orc left in Rohan. And like he still died. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, by like, you know, a bear wound when he like specifically said, no, we're not going to hunt them. Right. And then like somehow along the way, he changed his mind. Um, so then we we get down to Thangol, who is Theoden's father. Um, Thangol actually is hanging out for a lot of his life in Gondor and meets that's where he meets his wife Morwen and again kind of like NCIS theme coming in she was 17 years the younger it says um they have three children in Gondor and then um he is called back to Rohan when his father dies and Thingol goes, it says unwillingly. He is, I guess, very happy in Gondor, um, but recognizes that he has this duty and goes back and takes the throne. Um, and they have two more children there, daughters, uh, the youngest of which is Theodwin. And you'll see in a second why she is important. 
even I thought it was really interesting too um, that even though Thangol like he was kind of like a little bit of a reluctant king you know he didn't he, he liked being in Gondor he was he, people like really liked him he was a really good king and you know did a good job um, and then of course Theoden becomes king and we kind of know what happens there yeah yep. <laughs> um, Saruman puts a spell on him and it it does like say that in in the last year of his life when he when this spell was finally broken over the spell over him was finally broken he really you know rose to the occasion and the last you know living months that he 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 lived with his full being and you know obviously Helm's Deep Pelennor Fields um killed by the Witch King Rest in peace. <laughs> if you're going to go down in battle, that's a pretty good way to go down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and it points out, too, that he rested in the land of his birth among the dead kings of Gondor, but was later brought back to Edoras. And so I, I thought that was, um, I like had no idea that, Th- you know, Theoden was born in Gondor. Yeah, I thought um, that was interesting, too. That was a new and fact And he died in Gondor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a new fact for me as well. Um. Which is also a little bit funny, too, when you... I think the movies really played up um, Theoden's uh, kind of, like, reluctance to accept help from Gondor and to give help to Gondor. I think they really kind of, like, exaggerated that. I don't remember it being that present of a theme in the book. But it is kind of funny watching the movie with this context of, like, bro, like, your mom was from Gondor. Like, you lived in Gondor for probably a good part of your childhood. Like, you were born yeah. there. Maybe you should help him out a bit. Yep. Um, so, again, his he had a younger sister named Theodwim, and she married Eomund, <clears throat> who was a marshal of the Mark, and they go on to have a son named Eomer and a daughter named Eowen. Eomund was very, um, I think it says like he was very like hot tempered or something. And he one day goes out to fight some orcs and dies. And shortly after that, um, Theoduin, Theoduin is a very hard name to say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially when you know that Theoden is right there too. Anyway, Theoduin shortly dies of grief after that. And Theoden takes Aomer and Aohin, <laughs> the names, uh, into his home as their as his own children. We know, of course, that Theodred, Theoden's son, dies uh, in in a battle at, at the beginning of Two Towers. And so Theoden's lineage is done. And so when he dies in battle, it goes on to Aomer, and Aomer begins a new line of kings and i love this it says um so after the war first of all it says that uh, in eomer's day in the mark men had peace who wished for it so i love that that like the people who are like i don't want to fight anymore he's like great go be with your family go <laughs> be with your kids i'm not going to make you do anything yeah and then the other thing that was really touching it says you know it says that aragorn's obviously dealing with there's still a lot of sauron's darkness present they're still dealing with a lot of the fallout from Sauron and there's still a lot of his dark forces around. And so it says, wherever King Elisar went with war, King Eomer went with him. Love that. That like they're bros and he's like, we're going to, you know, we might not have been a unified force before, but we are now. And um, that's like the last that that we have of the, the house of 
aural. Aural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a slur of yeah. syllables. But before we wrap up, was there any were there any other like points that you wanted to like, you know, talk about real quick? Um, or something that we missed that you thought was cool and wanted to to mention. No, I'm I'm kind of glad that we got to read the Aragorn um, Arwen stuff because um, there's just a lot of you know having seen Rings of Power now and and you know doing this podcasting stuff, I um, really appreciate the depth of that storyline now, and I'm kind of excited to go back to look at the films again to see how they they played that. Um, so yeah, no, I thought it was. Uh, a cool thing to do to like get into the details of the appendix. So I, I think that's a very a cool thing. Yeah. And I, and uh, it, enjoyable to understand the story in a broader perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not often we get to talk at length about like this short a passage. I mean, we, we do like a, a story from the Silmarillion every month and, and we hope to have you on at some point. Uh, we'll, we'll chat about yeah, that sure. another time. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh it, it was really great reading the uh, the Rohan stuff always yeah. breaks my brain a little bit, which is it's funny because like I can hold the first and second age in my brain. The Rohan stuff is where it's like, all right, who's named what? <laughs> it, it's confusing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was really in- having knowing that this movie is going to be coming out yes. too. Yeah, very um, cool. I thought it was interesting to read to read the history of Rohan and be like, oh, okay, this is like what they're going to base right. the movie on. That 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 could be very cool. Yeah, right. yeah. I I also think it'll be really interesting because it's going to be um uh, anime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or or in the you know in the art- artistic style of of anime, I guess. Yeah, and I think that'll be really cool too to see you know an animation of Lord of the Rings, which we. To my knowledge, the only version of that that exists is the VeggieTales parody Lord of the Beans. So I'll <laughs> be interested seen to see the animated Hobbit. Ends? Oh, the ano- that's right. Oh my, I'm so yeah, dumb. I yes, I, I do. Again, generationally yeah. for me, I watch those live when they broadcast them. Um, what did you think of uh, uh, Bakshi's Lord of the Rings? Uh, I didn't, you know, of those... Um, the Hobbit is the only one that really sticks with me. I didn't really enjoy mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Uh, that that, that one. The Hobbit, the animated Hobbit, is probably the only one that I would show to my yeah. kids. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that one's a great wholesome kids movie. Yeah, it's great. The other ones maybe not. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you both for coming on. Um, I know we we once again I keep thinking like, oh yeah, I've chopped down <laughs> enough, you know, like a short enough section to discuss in maybe an hour, and here we are going on almost two hours. So thank you for we have the exact know, same problem. Yep. <laughs> hanging out and chatting. I mean, but like that's what. I I never want to put a time limit on good conversations. So um, thank you for hanging out and sharing all your thoughts. Where can people find uh, all of the stuff that you guys do? Uh, We've got a website, thelorehounds.com. You can also find us on our parent podcast network, baldmove.com. And we're on Twitter as long as it still seems to be functional Mm -hmm. uh, at (laughs) thelorehounds. And you can search for our podcast feeds um, on your podcast app of choice. Just, you know, search for Lorehound. And we're going to be starting to cover uh, The Last of Us. Um, we'll have our first episode out Wednesday, whatever day yeah. from now, uh, from when we're recording. So, yeah, we've got a lot planned. We've got some book stuff that's coming up. Um, we've got uh, a lot of shows uh, in the pipeline as well. So we're going to be pretty active this year. So definitely check yep. us out. Cool stuff. Yeah. I don't have an HBO 
account, but the Last of Us show is really making me want to like finally pull the it looks the really HBO good trigger. It looks really yeah. good. Like I'm really interested to see. Oh my god, it's such such an emotional story. Gosh. Anyway. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org. The cover art is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash talkingaboutpod. You can find the podcast on social media at talkingaboutpod. And you can follow me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and on Instagram at mcturndownforwatt. If you want to support the podcast, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash talkingaboutpod to see the levels of support that are available. I appreciate so much all of my patrons, but in particular, this week's sponsor, Alan. Alan, thank you so much for being a wonderful sponsor of the podcast. Your support is so much appreciated, and you are a wonderful person, and I hope you have a good day. Thank you again for coming on and hanging out. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Speak friend and enter. And that's what I'm talking about. (laughs)